You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is week three of Study the Word 101 on the book of Ephesians. I'm going to go ahead and pray to open our time, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, um, we just thank you that you are the father of the seasons, um, that you bring uh, spring and summer and fall now and winter, Lord, um, that each of these seasons are created by your hand. Lord, we are just um, in awe of your creativity, um, of the beauty that each season brings. And uh, Lord, I pray that this morning as we dig into your word, Lord, that we would glorify you in um, all that we do and say, Lord, would your spirit just be in the room as we are um, Yeah, as we are digging into this passage, Lord, will we be um, listening for what you would have to teach us this morning? And so I ask all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Welcome. Good. More people. It's empty. (laughs) All right. So we have um, just a couple of announcements. Um, If you didn't pay, the envelope is still over there. If you need to pay yet, you can do that. Um, There's two upcoming... There are two upcoming LEFC events that we wanted to point out for you guys. Um, The first is a hymn sing, and that's going to be in the crossover room on October 8th at 4 o'clock. So if you are interested in that, um, you can uh, go to the website to find out more information. And then there's also a manuscript study on October 14th, and that's also in the crossover room from 8 to 11. So a manuscript study is really neat if you haven't done one before. It's very similar to what we do in here. And so what they do is they're going to go through that inductive study process on a book. This time is Galatians, and they'll do it all in one morning. So they'll just kind of like hyperspeed, go through like what we do here. Um, But you get this really cool overview um, of the entire book. So if you're interested in that, again, go to the website and you can get more information. All right. So we're going to start out. We wanted to do this last week and we forgot, but we're going to start out by reading the passage together just to set our minds on what we are talking about this morning. So if I can have two people that would be willing to read for us, we can have someone read um, 1, 15 to 23 and then someone read 2, 1 to 10. All right. Thank you. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what it is to, what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So I read 2, 1 to 10? I'll do it. Thank you. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Thank you. All right, so we may typically do that actually after we do our study tip, but our study tip this morning is going to be um, actually some of the observation that we did um, this week in your homework. So we're going to focus on that 15 to 23. And we're going to talk about um, words today. Yes. All right, so there are several... um, different types of words we can look at when we are studying scripture. And the purpose of of looking at words is that we want to make sure we're pulling out what words the author is using to make up the message so we can better understand, again, what is just being said. So we had you all look at repeated words and phrases. Um, That's something we have you guys doing in your homework. Um, That could be um, even an idea, words that are similar to one another um, that we look at there. Some other types of words that we can look at, we can always be looking for God's character and his character traits. We have you do this in the big study, and we have it in here to highlight that in yellow. Um, And so we just kind of keep that consistent through all of our studies so that we're always looking for the Lord's character on display. And then um, we can also look for characters. Um, So this isn't as much in here um, when we're looking at a letter, but if you're looking at narrative, you're going to have characters in a story often. So listing out the various characters that you have is helpful. Um, We we sort of did have characters last week, right? Um, It was the three persons of the Trinity, so it feels a little odd to call God a character, but he is, he is the main character in scripture. And so that is a way that we can um, look at various words. Other ones would be time and place words. Again, this isn't as prominent here. There are some that we can see, um, some time words especially in Ephesians. But if you're looking at a narrative, you would find a lot of time and place words as characters might be moving around um, or as time is moving on in the story. Those are good things to note. And then lastly, we can look at unknown words and phrases. And I told you this, I think, last week that um, an unknown word might still be a word that you have some type of definition of, but it could be a prominent word that you want to look at or explore more. Um, So those are other, um, yeah, other types of words that we can look at. So we are going to um, do something that's called annotating the text. And so um, we keep saying this, but I just want to keep stressing this over and over, that we are going to give you these tips and we're going to show you a way to do this and we want you to make it your own because we want um, all of these tools to aid you in understanding the text better and in knowing the Lord better. And so if at any point a tip becomes unhelpful to that goal, and um, so for instance, coloring is what we're going to be doing this time. And so if coloring stresses you out so much so that I am not actually focused on understanding what God has written here, then maybe this isn't the best way for you to do that. And that is okay. We have found some people love to color and mark this up. And this is like, yes, this is my jam. I'm so excited. And other people are like, no way. Um, So in the big study, we have people, I think we tell you all to annotate the text. And I think we have some people that don't do it all. And that's fine. And I actually am one of those people. So um, I do love to annotate my text. So annotating just meaning writing in the text, right? Making yourself little notes, making little markings. I personally don't particularly love to color it. And that is because I am so imperfect. So I can't think of like a perfect system for my colors. um, And that frustrates me then when I mess it up later. So so I like to just doodle and write wherever my brain takes me and not feel like I'm stuck. Um, But I love, it's helpful to my brain to write, to underline something that's important, to double underline something that I think is really important, to make circles and arrows. And so I love to do that. Um, Casey, I don't think, does really any annotating. And that is fine. So she just handwrites, she told you this last time, she handwrites a lot of these things in her notebook. Um, But in case this is your jam, um, we're going to try it. I'm going to show you a little bit how to do that and what that would look like. So that's what we are going to do um, this morning. There's a couple of ways you can annotate the text. You could do it right in your Bible. Um, That can be hard because it's such small print. The paper is very thin. 
Um, and so you, we supply these scripture journals. Um, they are available in every book of the Bible. They're pretty reasonably priced when you just buy one. Um, you can buy a whole set of them if you'd like. Um, and keep them. Um, but you also could just print the text out double spaced, which is what I've done for you in the center of your tables. So that's a very simple way to do it, and you can mark it up that way. Especially if it's a smaller book, you could print the entire book pretty easily. So we're going to grab that this morning, and I'm, we're going to go through it together. <clears throat> Everybody should have a pack because you're probably going to want to use the same color at the same time. So the first one we're going to start off with is green. Um, and so we're going to, this, this um, section talks a lot about wisdom or knowledge. Did some of you note that as a repeated word or idea maybe in your um, journal? So we're going to go through and we are going to make sure I'm on highlight here. Ah, there we go. Okay, I thought I had this all figured out so well. And there we go. That's what I So we're going to highlight wisdom. Change that to green. And then we're going to highlight knowledge here in 17. So I'm in 17, verse 17. So the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in knowledge. And then I'm also going to highlight enlightened because that feels like a synonym to me. Those are the ones I'm going to do in green. And then there are a lot of, what do you call it, expletives? Is that right? Um, that are talking about God's greatness or going beyond. I don't know if anyone has a word for that. Feel free to shout it out. But I'm going to do those in purple. So I'm going to grab a purple. And I'm going to go to verse... 18, and I'm going to highlight glorious because it's describing inheritance and it's an adjective. Um, oh, it changed this one. This won't happen when you're using colored pencils. I'm going to go to um, immeasurable greatness I'm going to do next. And then I'm going to do his great might. This one keeps wanting to switch on me. I don't know why. Uh, apparently. Right, maybe I have to calculate it first. Okay. So, and then I'm going to do, I'm going to do power in red feels appropriate to me. Oh, see, that's why. I have to highlight it first, and then I'll change the color. I'm going to do power in red. You know, technology is great when it works. It's so obnoxious when it doesn't. I don't know why. Maybe I had it like open too long or something. Okay, let's try this. Here we go. Cursor, old school. Red for power. 
And then let's do might as well. That's at the end of 19. And then this is my pencil here. So I'm going to then, we were having this debate about rule and authority and power and dominion. I'm going to underline that in red, if it will let me. feels a little different than the power and light that's talked about there, but it still um, has some of that same connotation. And then I'm going to do, we'll do one more for now. In 22, or in 20 verses 21 and 22, there's a lot of alls and everys, and so we're going to do that in orange. Lots of alls. All right, so we'll stop there. There's a few others for sure that are in there. But um, another um, thing that I do sometimes, um, and I don't think I'm going to be able to show this to you because it's not working as well as I wanted to, but in 17, I just put a little bracket around all of 17, and I wrote Trinity um, because I noticed that the parts of the Trinity are listed in that. And it's something I often do. Again, just a suggestion. Um, you can find whatever way you want to note these things, but um, just kind of bracketing that section out so I notice that. Another thing that I um, frequently do is, um, Casey will talk more about grammar next time, but I will... Um, I will underline my um, connecting words. So, so I will underline like for this reason, which is not wanting to work for me now. I will just do it in pen actually usually. And then I will make um, a little arrow often. Um, And so I think I can maybe even pick an arrow here. And I will like make that arrow circle back up to the top to tell me that, that for this reason, this whole thing is starting out connecting back up to the top. Does that make sense? Mine looks more loopy than a straight line. Um, so you can you could annotate all sorts of conjunctions, um, if-then statements, if you wanted to, um, or you can note them. But, so you can kind of make this your own. You can use brackets, like I said. You could use circles. You could use double underlines to note things. Um, so you can really go all out with annotating if you want and have a whole system. Um, you can annotate in similar categories throughout your whole um, text, or you could just annotate sections. Do you understand what I mean by that? So for instance, there's a lot of wisdom and knowledge here. Maybe, maybe not is that in the rest of the book of Ephesians. So um, you can make it very simple just with the text you're in, or you could look at it more broadly within the whole text. So some categories, um, the friends that I have that do do this a lot, like they'll make um, 
any type of God's glory in purple, any mention of the cross or redemption in red. Um, and they'll kind of do that throughout all of their texts. So it's constantly this reminder to them wherever they're at in scripture of those things. Um, they might use green to be like life or growth. Yep. When you're reading it, do you look for just like one particular thing when you're reading through the text? Or are you doing all of the things? Great question. That might be a personality thing. So um, for me, I'm very haphazard. So I will be like, oh, I see this. And then I'll just start underlining it um, wherever I'm at in the text. Um, if I'm going to do colors like this, I told her, I was like, okay, this is fine. I got this system. I know what words I'm looking for. I'm going to go, and I just did it in my scripture journal. And I messed up, and I was so annoyed. <laughs> so even though I'm not very type A, it still annoys me. Um, and so, so anyways, I, I don't feel like I can almost ever get to a point where I'm like, have this perfectly figured out enough to do it. But some people are that way. Like one of my girlfriends, she has her entire Bible marked up with very neat things that trigger her mind. Um, different times, and I think that's super helpful to her in studying. That's just not how the Lord, how the way the Lord has wired me, and that's okay. So yeah, feel free to do it however you want. I wouldn't maybe do it your first read through unless you're looking for God's character, you know, and you can be consistent with that and know that that will be there. Um, but maybe think through. Okay, notice where my repeated words are. Okay, where like what what color do I want to assign to that? Um, yeah, and is that something I want to mark? So. If you find this helpful, it is neat to look at your page and have those colors kind of jump off at you. Um, you'll probably even know from this little exercise whether this makes you smile after you look at it. And this feels helpful to you to like be able to see things better um, to use it. So. And one thing that, that I don't do a lot of colors in my personal study, but I do actually, I think it's helpful in that when you go and look at that, the colors, then you're going to see, you're going to pull out themes that you're seeing. She might have already said this, but um, where if you're just underlining all the different repeated words, they all kind of go together. But if you yes. color if you color code them, you can see, oh, there is a lot of yes. stuff about wisdom and knowledge. Oh, there is a lot of about all and every. And then where does it, it kind of lead you then to think, what, what, what are those all about? Mm -hmm. Then we think of Christ supremacy. We'll get to that a little bit. But so it does help to give you some themes um, as you're working yeah, through. most definitely. Yeah, and that's the purpose of it, to, to ponder, to think about it, to notice things differently, so... Hopefully that haphazard explanation was helpful. Um, so the last thing we want to talk about, and I'm over time really, is questions. So um, all throughout, as we are studying, um, we want to be asking questions of the text. And I, we, again, we repeat ourselves often in this class, apparently. We said this before, but it's hard to ask questions as we get older. It's a lost skill. Some of us are better at it than others. Um, but it's something that we need to try to work on because in order to be a learner, we need to be inquisitive. And so, um, so I would encourage you um, to just try to start asking. And even if it feels kind of awkward or you're like, I don't even know if this is the right question. Or I'm looking at this. I don't know what question to ask. Like, I feel like I, I got most of it. What, what, how do I ask a question? Just start trying. And as you start asking questions, it will get easier and easier. And you will um, find that it's like a muscle that continues to work. Um, yeah, as you go. So you can write, again, you can write all of these questions down in your notebook or in a notebook if you want. I ask a lot of questions, but I don't write a lot of questions down. So I often will, um, I often will put a question mark. So maybe down here next to this rule, authority, power, and dominion, I might write a question mark. Like, what is that rule, authority, power, and dominion um, speaking of? Um, sometimes I might write a little real question. Sometimes I might just look at it and think about it for a little while um, and just ponder it and then kind of come back to it, noticing some of my repeated words. So it's up to you how you ask those questions again, whether you want to write those all down. Um, but do work on becoming inquisitive. And that's going to become a big part of what this class is. We're going to ask you for questions. What questions are you asking of the text? And that's going to help stir our conversations to be learning from one another. And again, this can be questions you already um, know the answers to, right? Um, or a question that you think you know the answer to and you want to make sure that that's correct. And in that, never feel like it's a silly question. I sometimes am like, I should have known this. But it's okay. Like it's, I mean, I feel like it even is harder as you 
are a believer the longer it goes that you're like, oh, I should have known this like 30 years ago. How do I not still understand this? But that is, that's okay. Yes, I mean, it's, and it's okay to ask. And so just never feel like it's it's a dumb question. I love questions and I probably ask too many. If I have a conversation <laughs> with you, you will never stop because I just keep wanting to know more. Um, but if... Yeah, in studying, I know I was always like, well, I feel like I should have known this. So I always don't want to ask the question, but be, yeah, feel the, just, uh, yeah, feel comfortable and feel the confidence actually in asking questions, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you don't have to know, and maybe it is something that, like Lindsay said, you just need to have a little bit more of an understanding. And you mentioned, like, being able to explain something to a child. Mm -hmm. I've been really, like, thinking through that. There's all these big words in the faith, right, in the church. There's, like, big words that we feel like we say all the time, and I'm like, I say this all the time. Do I actually know what this means? So to, to dig deeper. Yeah, no, that's really good. And uh, I heard a teacher say one time that that is why we stop asking questions is because we get scared of what others are going to think of our questions. So I think that's a huge piece of what holds us back often. So Or at least started to hold us back when we were younger, and then we just stopped. So, all right. That is the end of our intro, and I'm going to turn it over okay. to Daisy. So we are going to um, talk a little bit about observation, the rest of them um, here as a group. It'll look a lot similar like last week. We will do that together, and then you'll have some time at your tables to do the interpretation questions. We'll come back and talk a little bit about that, and then go back into your application questions. So the structure today will look very similar to last week. Um, we will start to change this slowly, where we'll do some more of the observations at your tables, and then we'll do the interpretation part as a whole group um, as we get more comfortable with the different parts. Um, all right, so we are just actually going to jump into section two since we just spent that time sorry, sorry. Um, talking through section the first section of your homework. Um, we're just going to, I don't mean to like not do the list and stuff there, but a lot of that actually was in what we just did with the annotating. So um, <clears throat> yeah, we will look at page 31 to start. Um, so we'll do that eventually. All right, so instead of writing all this on the board, we're going to kind of go through this pretty quickly so we can get to your tables. I will write the list because I want to mention some things about that. Um, but first, starting off with some repeated words, I want to just call them out. We have a smaller class today, so I'm really looking for participation because you don't want to hear me talk the whole time, I promise. So re repeated words that we see in section two. Dead. Dead, yes. <coughs> what else? Again, I'm not going to write all these if you just call them out. Grace. Oh, good. God, Christ Jesus. Excellent. The sin. concept of sin. The concept of sin and? Sin and disobedience. Oh, wow. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Anything else? Trespasses. Trespasses, yes. So lots of words guys. for, yeah, which is what's going to fill in our list here in a little bit. As far as time, there was were once now. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to jot that up there. Um, that actually can be, a lot of these are linked. Um, that can be a little bit of a grammatical element as well. So were, you said were was, what was it like? Were once now. And I'll do the now. Good. So we actually can do that too. Is there any other? Well, actually, let's let's move into that a little bit. Um, so for that section, what grammatical elements? Um, there's a, there was some, a lot of time words. Uh, what else did you see in that in section two there for grammatical elements? Yeah, there's a lot of looking at who we were, but God, and now who we are. Um, so there's a ton of that. There's also a lot of, um, you'll see, and we'll talk about this next week with grammar, um, comparisons and contrast, like contrasting ideas here. And it doesn't always have to come one word right after the next, but looking at the big picture and looking at the ideas um, of contrasting things, it makes the theme of what we're talking about here stand out even more. Um, 
All right, so we're quickly going to just jot down some of our list here. I'm not going to do all the list for each section because we are running a little bit lower on our time. Um, but you guys already kind of said some of these, but I'm going to write some of them down. So what did you guys put under your list for dead state prior to Christ? Sin. Sin. Disobedience. Disobedience. <coughs> Trespasses. Following the world. Following the prince of the power of the air, which to blame who's in seminary, I said, that means Satan, right? Yeah. And he was like, yeah. So, hey. I'm like, that, that seems like a silly question. But, no, that's not a silly yeah, question. Yes, yeah, I'm like, they could just Well, they disguised it so nicely. Like, it's all like, it sounds nice, yes. you know? Yeah. It does sound nice. That's interesting. Like, no. You're right. Why that, why that language? That is very interesting. Children um, Brown. Yes. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a really bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the name of the band or something. Church of the Rest? Yeah. My saint got a little closer to alive. I got to right remember here. <laughs> we can't mess that up. Flesh of the flesh. Flesh, yes. Good. All right, what about a live state with Christ? What are some words you wrote down there? Or ideas? Through grace and through faith. Mercy. Seated in the heavenly place. Mm-hmm. Alive together. Mm-hmm. Raised with Christ. Yeah, together is not one that I wrote down. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. I'm sorry, what was that? Raised with Christ. Awesome. We're gonna, um, one thing I want to note with, with lists, uh, we will talk more about this when that comes, that week comes, but I like to write my lists beside each other um, when there are contrasting ideas like this. So in the workbook, they are on top of each other, so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but um, when I do this on my own, I think there is great power in, in seeing these things literally right beside each other. And then the biggest thing in the middle is our grammar, actually, um, but this idea of but God. So this is where we were. But God, now this is where we are. And these ideas are so opposite of each other. Sin, right, and death, and being alive, and being together. Like, we're no longer alienated. We're no longer apart from from God. Um, We have wrath, and then we have mercy, and we have love, and we have grace. So when you see those side by side, it can just, it brings a lot more power in what we are reading. Um, And both of these things are things we need to be thinking about when we, are thinking about the gospel and thinking about who we are in Christ. Um, is the podium or the computer keeping you from seeing? That is true. Okay. We're far over okay. here. Okay. And you, I'm so sorry. Yes. Okay. No, I just wanted to check. I saw some people looking around. I was like, if we can make it better, please let us know. Yeah. Um, I actually think we could just go to the tables because we're yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. So we're not actually going to talk about the, the third section here. It's really short. Um, it is great, and it's wonderful. We will talk about it at the end. Um, and you can talk about it during your interpretation question time here at the tables as well. Um, but we are going to move to that. Because I think we're starting to understand. Is observation seeming to becoming a little bit easier as we, as we go? All right, awesome. So at your tables, we're going to now look at any of the interpretation questions from any of the sections. Uh, you can work through each section, or if there's something that really stood out to you that you'd like to talk about, that is fine. I need to not do the questions. Can we do it really fast? Asking the okay. questions. Okay. So if you have quite, we talked about asking questions earlier. So if there are questions that you wrote down, you can talk about those as well. Um, whichever, wherever your table leads that way, it's fine. This is like. All right. So what we're going to do now is um, just talk a little bit about what you were talking about at your tables. As a, as a whole group. Like I said, this eventually we will just do this to start with everybody together. Um, but it's, sometimes it's nice to kind of get a good feel for um, yeah, the structure before we just dive in with everybody. So let's actually start with some um, questions. So what are some questions that you either talked about that maybe are not in the workbook? Um, it could be too, actually. But, or just questions that you have. Um, it could be that you talked about them or maybe you did not get a chance to. 
But what are some questions that you had from any of the, any of the sections here? We noticed heavenly places, plural, and then in other, um, I guess it was last week, there were several references to heavens, plural, and what that might look like. It's a really good eye. Sometimes just that little S at the yeah, end changes it, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really good to look critically and look closely. That's why we are going really slow through this book, right? Where you're taking time to just do a couple verses at a time. And, that's, and you can catch those things. When you do numbers and you have six chapters to study, it's a little different. <laughs> that's what we did last time. <laughs> um, awesome. Any other questions we have? Why is Satan referred to as the prince of the power of the air? Yes. <laughs> it sounds beautiful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? So then in verse 6, when it says, um, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, it makes it sound like it's past tense, like raised up with him and seated with him, but like, the second coming hasn't happened yet, so is it metaphorical? Like, you're like, is seated with him equivalent to sealed with him, like, as a promise mm. in the future, or I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question. I know we try to answer these ones. Yeah. So that's true. We don't have a ton of time. <laughs> We're used to having a little more time. All right, so let's talk about it a little bit. And what we're going to do is I, we're not just going to give answers. We're going to have us discuss it as a class. Um, so, and sometimes we don't even have the answers. Actually, a lot of times we don't either. So, and it'll be, yeah, good to hear other people's views and opinions, and then we can hopefully arrive to a conclusion. So, Heavenly Places, why, yeah, why do you think Paul is using those terms? Or that, with the S, the S on the end, especially, why is it plural? Why is he not just saying heaven? Because there are different places in heaven. Right. Where do you get that from? Uh, the book called Heaven by Randy Acorn. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> We talked about this a little bit last week. Um, as the first, yeah. um, we talked about this a little bit last week. There's a lot, and I'll talk about it later as well. There's a lot of talk and focus on like the spiritual realm and this in Ephesus during this time, and it's still it's present today, right? Um, but there's a lot of focus on something beyond just earth. And so there's, yeah, I think he's strategic in how he's saying this because we'll eventually get to how um, there are beings and spirits and things in these spaces that are not necessarily heaven, right? Because we can't, they're not going to be in the same place as God himself. But there is a space there outside of beyond this earth that um, there are beings and spirits and things. So um, I don't know if that's why he uses an S (laughs) per se. But it is talking about beyond just looking, not beyond heaven, but just looking at the space. It's not just heaven because we want to understand that there are pla- there is a space where the prince of the power of the air is dwelling. Um, so evil forces and good forces are interacting yes. with one another, right? So I think sometimes, at least I do in my head, think of them as very separate spaces, but to recognize it's a realm where there is interaction. Um, there's mystery there, too, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So then, actually, that, that leads us into why do you think he is called the prince of the power of the air here and not just Satan? I don't know. We don't really know fully the answer, but it was fun to hear. Um, what are your thoughts? I just thought, shared, and I don't have a ton to back this up, but he's just so deceptive and stealthy and conniving, and so power of the air just feels like easily pushing us one way or the other and twisting truths to make it, or twisting lies to make them sound appealing to us and just, yeah, very whispering in our ear type situation Yes, is how I think of the enemy. Mm-hmm. So it is a very long name for Satan, but it also mm-hmm. is uh, accurate. 
Yeah. Mm, that's a really good point. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, you're right. He, oh, he infiltrates us, yes. I mean, that. yeah. And a prince would sound attractive. Yes, very good. And powerful. Yeah, not king. I said, I love that. It's not, he's not, he's not king, but a prince. Yes, no, very much so. Like, I think it's, yeah, he didn't just say, I, yeah, you're right. I'm glad that you pointed that out, Laura, about this in the beginning. Like, it does sound, like, so different than just Satan. Like, I think of Satan as, like, <laughs> when you hear that word, you think dark and mean-looking. and <laughs> But I think there's, there's more to that than, yeah, and, and good for us to be aware of that, for sure. Yeah. Um, read something that said um, the God of this age, Satan, blinds the minds of the unbelievers so that they can't see the light of the gospel of Christ. Mm -hmm. He blinds the unbelievers. Mm. Let's talk. Oh, God. If you look at the Greek words that are used there, um, the heavens... refers to where God's at. The heavenly places is more the atmosphere. Yeah, I think again it's it's realizing that both things both being type things like evil and um, God God and Jesus and Christ are in those are in those spaces. That, I mean, but again, not I mean heaven itself and the throne that is reserved for God Himself and all things him. Yeah. But it is a reality. I like that you wrote that word up there. And we'll talk about that more in the coming weeks with this mystery being revealed. And it's, yeah. So actually, this kind of relates to it, too, with thinking about the heavenly places and us being raised and seated. Why, why do you think he's using past tense here if this hasn't fully happened yet? Or has it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, his work, that has already happened. Right. Why does it take faith? Yeah. What? Why does it take faith to accept? That it's already happened? Yeah. <laughs> 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 so why, like, so if this cross and resurrection has happened and is sure, why, why does it cause, why do we need faith in order to believe? Nothing in this world points to that. Right. Can't see this dimension. We can't see that spiritual reality that exists. Mm -hmm. 
And the only way we as sinful people can be near a holy God is in Christ, is, through, is, is in him. Otherwise, we can't be in, in his presence. Um, yeah. And the word says that Christ is light, where Satan works in the dark. Mm-hmm. So he cannot be seen because the two cannot live together. He cannot live in the light. Mm-hmm. Sounds good, sounds good. Um, I think, where's my, yes, sorry. Ah, this will will go longer, I promise, in the future. (laughs) Um, But we are going to stop our conversation here just so you guys have a little bit of time to talk about your um, application questions. So at your tables, we're going to go back to you guys again. Uh, You can look at any of the application questions for any of the sections. Um, Again, make sure at some point it'd be great for you just to discuss quickly the um, big picture wrap-up page there. Um, What are some, maybe the timeless truth you found or maybe something that stuck out to you this week? How did your main points kind of connect? It's really good when when we're looking at small parts of Scripture to then take a step back and say, how are these things connecting? I think there's a lot of of interpretation that can happen in in that facet as well. Go ahead and talk about the application part at your tables. We're going to stop you once again. Sorry. (laughs) So we are going to take a second here to, um, would someone be willing to share with the group uh, maybe one of your takeaways from this week? Like what is something that stood out to you that you would like to remember? I mean, hopefully there's more than one thing you like to remember, but um, just something that stood out to you or a takeaway from this week. We have an incredibly generous God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. One more person want to share? Um, we can't be saved by our own works, but he wants us to join him in his works prepared in advance for us to do. That's awesome. A great connection between those two words that are typically debated pretty heavily. <laughs> I love the connection there. It's really good. All right. So I'm going to just give a um, brief wrap-up then for the, the text for this week. And before we do that, each time we've been giving you... Well, I guess we only had one before. We will be giving you a tagline to uh, jot down. Again, if you want to come up with your own, please feel free. And if you come up with a good one, tell us. <laughs> I would love to hear. We tend to go back and forth on what we decide. We, we want to have the tagline be, um, but it's really fun to see what you guys think as well. So if you come up with one, we'd love to hear it. Um, so for this week, what we came up with is prayer to truly know the gospel. So if you um, want to continue writing them, we suggest that maybe on the table of contents would be a place to jot these down. And it's definitely a place where if you, you know, years from now, you're, you're going back in Ephesians again, you're like, oh, I can look back and see what my, my outline was. All right. So last week, uh, we talked about the first part of Paul's prayer in Ephesians, in chapter 1. And like Lindsay mentioned, this prayer was chock full of praising God for who he was, for who he is and what he has done. And so continuing on in that attitude of praise, uh, the second part of Paul's prayer here is for this Ephesians specifically, uh, praising God for their faith and also asking God to deepen their understanding and knowledge of who he is um, according to the gospel and his redemptive work. So we're going to see the two parts of his prayer here. There, I mean, it is all one prayer. So there is a connection. We kind of broke it up. And, the, and sometimes when you look in our Bibles, it is broken up into sections. However, we want to look how, the, how they continue from one to the other. Um, so let's dive into this, this section, this um, part of his prayer for the, uh, the believers in Ephesus. And also realize this is for us today as well. So when you read this prayer, think of it as, as for us today as believers and your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So... Paul starts uh, this section with, for this reason, and Lindsay talked about that earlier. So right away, this is going to point us back to the previous verses, where he's talking, or he talked about the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And I remember when we studied this for the first time in last week as well, I was like, what are these spiritual blessings? Like, what is an example of a spiritual blessing? I actually specifically asked that <laughs> to Lindsay, and then I'm like, oh, Paul's going to give us some, which is awesome. Um, 
So he's going to give us specific examples here in, in this part of his prayer. And he also begins this portion of his prayer with a kind of a praise and encouragement for the Ephesians. Uh, he thanks God for the evidence that he sees of both a vertical relationship and horizontal flourishing. So their faith in Jesus, as well as their love for the saints. So one of the themes that we already talked about a little bit here that Paul talks about in this part of his prayer is knowledge. So he uses the actual word or synonym or similar idea five times in two verses. And as we were kind of doing our annotating up here, you already saw some of those words like wisdom, revelation, knowledge, enlightened, know. Um, but the knowledge that Paul's talking about here is more than just knowing about something. It's beyond just head knowledge. It's actually experiential, and it infiltrates the heart. So the word knowledge in the original Greek language um, means knowledge gained through firsthand relationship. I just love that definition, and I've really been pondering that more this week. Um, so Paul's prayer here is that we would, and the Ephesians would personally know the Lord more and also um, the gospel more deeply, and not just know it, but experience it. Um, we're going to have a better understanding of something when we actually do experience it. So let's take, for example, surfing. I'm not a surfer, but that would be really cool if I was. <laughs> um, but I could read all about it in books. I could watch videos. I could talk to people who surf. Does that make me a surfer? No, right? Of course not. I would get pummeled by the first wave I'd see. Um, that is actually like a, like a nightmare of mine. I feel like I'm not playing my I'm not the beach. I'm going to get hit by a wave. Um, so... I would actually become a surfer, though, the more I actually spend time in the water, the more I practice, the more I apply what I'm learning. So similarly, our lives as believers become much more rich when we actually experience the gospel and apply it to our lives. And, so, and this is going to come through that firsthand relationship with our Savior. Paul then breaks down this down even further. He prays that the people in Ephesus, and again, us today, would know three things, uh, three spiritual blessings, actually. So here are some examples. Um, he wants them to know the hope of his calling, the Lord's calling, the riches of his in glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power. And again, Paul wants us to not just know about these things. He wants us to experience them. And that does take it to a whole different level. Um, he asked that the eyes of their hearts be enlightened. We didn't actually talk about that word a ton. We did a little bit. Um, but you did look it up in your, in your homework. Um, so in other words, Paul here, um, he's asking that the truth would be illuminated, made evident by God's spirit through his word. Um, and all three of these spiritual blessings, hope, inheritance, and power, point us directly to the gospel with an eternal focus, yet they also influence so much how we live today. So first he wants his readers to know hope. I'll leave this slide up for a second. Um, the hope of the gospel, right? The hope to which they are called. Am I good to move? If I need to go back, let me know. Um, it's an expectation of what is certain or sure. That's more of the dictionary definition of hope. But he's talking about the confident hope of eternity. Paul says in his letter to Timothy, um, that we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially those who believe. So the hope of salvation and eternal life with God is only possible through the redemptive work of Christ and God's grace, which we'll talk a lot about here in the next section. So this hope is definitely heaven-focused, um, but it also impacts how we live our daily lives. So how we view our earthly circumstances is definitely impacted by the hope we have, right? I've seen people walk through some really hard things, um, but yet they remain steady in their faith only because they can fix their eyes on him who is our hope. Um, so being a believer, being a Christian in this world, we should look a little different. We have a hope that others do not have, and we hopefully want others to have. Um, so Paul wants his Ephesians here to experience the hope to which they are called. And where is that hope placed? It's placed in the one who we, in which we find our inheritance. Um, Paul is asking that believers have their eyes opened to know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. 
And I thought it was interesting here. His wording is interesting, actually, how he writes it. He's not simply telling us to better know where our, inherit, our inheritance, rather, it's to understand God's choice in his inheritance. Where is he choosing to spend eternity? In us. <laughs> I don't know. This kind of blows my mind, um, in my finite mind, that God of the universe chooses to spend eternity with me. He could choose to spend eternity in any way he wants to, right? He's God. I don't know what that would look like, but he could choose anything. But he finds the greatest joy and receives the most glory when we are found in him. I'm just really humbled by that this week. So lastly, Paul spends the rest of his prayer speaking about the third blessing he wanted his readers to more deeply understand. And that's his um, God's immeasurable power towards uh, us who believe. So you're going to see a lot about God's power throughout the rest of Ephesians, as well as all of Scripture, right? Actually, Tony just talked about his power this past week, if you were um, here at LAFC, in Genesis 1 with, his, with creation. So here in Ephesus, Paul is emphasizing what God's power has accomplished in the resurrection of Christ, which we talked about a little bit, um, and placing him at his right hand. So God used that power, like we said, to raise Jesus from the grave and place him properly in, in heaven. Um, and later we're going to see how he uses that same power to raise us as well. Um, this great power is available for us who believe. Again, there are so many things in this passage that I was like, oh, blows my mind a little bit. I'm not sure I fully can wrap my mind around it, but one day we will, which is awesome. Um, so where then is Christ placed? Paul goes on to talk about this um, above all, right? We talked about the word all earlier in our discussion with words. Uh, he is exalted to the highest position possible. So if you remember back when Lindsay gave the background to Ephesians, and we talked about this earlier, that there was a large concern for the spiritual forces in Ephesus during this time. So Paul really here is making it very clear that Christ is above everything. Whether, um, whatever powers exist, whether it's real or imaginary, whether it is human or non-human, whether it is now or in the future, uh, they are all subject to Christ. Uh, he knows, Paul leaves no room for error here. His Christ's supremacy and authority is clear. And his supremacy is something we, as we talked about before, as a theme that you will see throughout the book as well. So then he goes on further. You guys would have seen this little diagram in your workbook this week. So he goes on further then to, to explain Christ's position as the head with everything under his feet. And what's cool here is this is one of the first mention of the church specifically here in the book of Ephesians. And as you can see, we are, and as he talked about, we are his, his body. And because of this, we get to experience an intimate relationship with him. We are close to the head, right? We are found literally in him. And because we are in Christ, we have the power, um, or there is no other power, sorry, in this world or outside of this world that can defeat us. Such a cool thing to think about. We are connected to Christ in a way that offers us tremendous hope and life that only comes from him. And they ended up talking, ended this part talking about his fullness. Um, and what I found here is that he, that Christ is, is the fullness, right, right? He is the fullness of God that is filling us, the church. So what a privilege it is to be found in Christ, which is really the best place that we possibly could be. So Paul paints a beautiful picture of the gospel through his prayer for the Ephesians. Uh, he desires to see them grow in their knowledge of who God is, and again, the experience of God, right, and the work he has done. And he wants us to know and experience Christ or through Christ, the hope, inheritance, and power that comes from God alone. Um, and in case we're not quite getting that yet, or the, the Ephesians weren't getting it yet, Paul then spends the first part of chapter 2 really diving more into this, which is what we'll talk about here for a second. So the, the passage that we are about to talk about, the first 10 verses of chapter 2, um, is one of the clearest, most expressive descriptions of the gospel and salvation and really all of the, and all of the New Testament. Um, we can see here, we talked about this earlier here with our, um, our list, but we see a stark contrast between life of sin and alienation before Christ with life of faith in Christ. We are brought from death by nature to life by grace, and we are made alive in Christ. Um, and to fully understand and sit in gratitude of this grace, we first have to realize and 
kind of sit it. And we don't sit in there long, but we want to realize and know the reality and severity of our lives before Christ. It makes that grace so much sweeter when we realize what we have come from. And that's where he does start us off in chapter 2. So what is life before Christ characterized by? We hear some of the words that he used that you guys gave. Dead, trespasses, sin, uh, following the prince of the power of the air. Talked about that a lot. Disobedience, flesh, children of wrath. And this is not a place, I'm sure you agree, that we want to be, right? This is, but this is a reality of life without and before Christ. And sadly, this is really the reality that some people are still living in. Um, but bef- So before Christ, we were held captive by three things that Paul mentions. The ways of the world, the influences of Satan, and the wickedness of our nature. So I, um, I'm going to give you a quick quote that I found in one of the books that I was reading. Um, I thought he, he said this really well, so I just wanted to simply read it to you guys. So the picture the text paints is bleak. Because of sins, humans are, living, are the living dead. They live in keeping with a world order that ignores God and in keeping with a tyrant who works to cause disobedience. In their enslavement, they follow desires and distorted reasonings that leave God out of the picture, and therefore they are under God's wrath. But the main point of Ephesians, and for us today, is that God will not stay out of the picture. So, but God, right? These are the two words that are going to change our lives forever. And um, one of the biggest things that we see in this passage. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. These next few verses are so rich, and God's character is painted all over them. Um, not only does the... Sorry, not only does the text describe his character, but it shows, like we said earlier, he goes kind of above and beyond when it comes to his people, right? He is rich in mercy. He has great love for us, and he shows us immeasurable riches of his grace, right? So, and all of this for such an undeserved people. Again, it blows my mind. <laughs> um, it's really kind of hard for me, for me to grasp this idea that we because of we are in Christ, are also raised, like we said, over here, um, and seated with him, even though we are sinners. Um, but through his grace and through Christ, he, we can do that, or he can do that for us. Um, but one thing that I have come to really realize and think about more this week is that a life in Christ is one of great, great privilege, honor, security, and responsibility. And we get to experience this both now and forever. In eternity. So what this text does for me, this has done for me this week is to, it's a great reminder to slow down and remember, right? To meditate, really like meditate on the gospel. We need to live our lives um, as a response to this great gift that we've been given. And Paul does that. He, he describes it just like that. He describes this as a gift, right? A gift that is, does not come as a result of anything we can do or offer. Uh, we just have to accept it. And this, again, the, the gospel stories might be something you have heard for years and years and years, but I am encouraging you to, to stop and think and just ponder on what this means for us um, and the gift that it is, and let us not ever kind of grow weary of doing that, because it's important for us to realize where our, our place is and what God has done. Um, and this gift is so important uh, that Paul spends um, the, la- the last part of the section re-explaining it. So we get it again here, the last um, couple verses. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. So our good works, like some of you guys have said earlier, our good works, they don't save us. It's only Christ's work that can do that. But they are, the two words are connected, right? Paul says here that we are created to do good works. So God wants us to live our lives a certain way. And because we are found in Christ, though, we are now co-heirs with him, and we get to join him in his work. I heard Faith say earlier, you like the word join, right? That's a really cool way to think about it. And that happens now, right? We're, we can do this work, or the work with him here on this earth um, as well as in the future. So um, our good works, they do not give us salvation, but they are meant to be a, res- a result or evidence of our salvation. So I'd like to think of it this way. We delight in serving Jesus not to be saved, but because we have been saved. 
So God, he ends this with this verse and um, kind of wraps up the whole, the whole prayer and the whole section here, uh, the prayer before. God created us as his workmanship or his masterpiece or his handiwork so we can live a life in relationship with him doing these good works, right, that reflect the gift that we've been given in Christ. So this week, I um, want to encourage you, like we just talked about, to really just sit in an attitude of awe and praise for the gospel. Um, and you can do this in many ways, but um, just maybe even just practice saying the gospel story out loud, telling somebody, even if it's somebody that knows the gospel, tell them again. <laughs> it doesn't hurt to practice it. Um, writing it down, if that's, if that's helpful for you, uh, but just to really spend time thinking about this gift that we have been given, what we have been taken from, and what we are, who we are now in Christ, and because of the work, because of his work. Um, and then also just be in prayer that the eyes, like he prayed for earlier, um, that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened for you and others to know him more. I think in your workbook, we had you think about how we can be praying this for, for our fellow sisters and, and brothers um, in Christ. And again, it's not just knowing about him, but experiencing him more deeply um, coming up. So I'm going to close us here um, in a prayer. And I'm going to take this directly from scripture. It is really powerful from time to time just to actually pray the words um, that we are reading in his word. So I'm going to pray this kind of over you guys today. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for meeting us here today. Um, I thank you for each lady in this class, ones that are here and ones that are not here today. Um, Father, would you give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, having the eyes of their hearts enlightened, that they may know what is the hope to which you have called them, what are the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe. And God, we thank you that you are rich in mercy because of the great love with which you loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, you made us alive together with Christ. Thank you that your grace, thank you for your grace and the gift of salvation. And again, as we said, Lord, we help, we pray that you will help us to not grow weary of hearing that truth. We love you, Lord. And we pray this all in your son's name. Amen.